the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Yes, it is, and welcome back. Friday, May 13th, 2022. It's Open Lines Friday. Anything on your mind you'd like to ask? Anything um, you want to ask me? Anything you want to put out there? 602-508-0960. I will uh, do my monologue at the top of the third hour uh, today, as uh, we did yesterday. Uh in the age of a disinformation, uh, there's a few things I want to go through with you. In the age of the disinformation governing board, which this White House thought was a smart thing to A, create, and B, name. Uh, we'll come back to the name in a moment. The White House sent out this tweet yesterday. When President Biden took office, millions were unemployed and there was no vaccine available. In the last 15 months, the economy has created 8.3 million jobs, and the unemployment rate stands at 3.6 percent, the fastest decline in unemployment to start a president's term ever recorded. It's a lot of words to get them a piece of credit on unemployment. Of course, we can talk about how they arrive at that number and how they use that number, uh, mostly rehiring those that were out of work because of the COVID shutdowns. But does anyone have a problem with anything else that I read there? Well, I'll just give you the first sentence again. When President Biden took office, millions were unemployed. Excuse me. When President Biden took office, millions were unemployed and there was no vaccine available. Anything there bother you? Anything? I, I, I certainly remember December of 2020 when Joe Biden was getting a vaccine. So I don't know how, unless they're working achronologically somehow at the White House in this age of disinformation governing board at the White House, they get to the notion that there was no vaccine available when President Biden became office. That tweet from the White House, by the way, is still up. Um, when Joe Biden took office, three and a half million Americans were already fully vaccinated, fully vaccinated against COVID-19, and 19 million Americans had received at least one vaccine dose by January 20th, 2021. This is according to the Centers for Disease Control. And the U.S. was administering, on average, about a million doses a day at the time. That is to say, a million doses a day while Donald Trump was still president. The notion that the White House can say no vaccine available, why do you think they'd even say that? They just lie with reckless abandon now because no one will care. No one will care to call them on it in the mainstream media. And it is curious to me that Twitter still has that post up. Twitter's own guidelines speak of disinformation. Now, is it the age of Elon Musk that is now no longer going about censoring anything and anything goes? Maybe, except there are still some sites that are not able to operate on Twitter, sites you have heard of, sites, uh, excuse me, names uh, you have heard of, handles you have heard of, uh, the president, of course, uh, the former president, Donald Trump, Babylon B, others, still not there. Now, on top of that, we get an uncomfortable news story today 
that Elon Musk says the Twitter deal is temporarily on hold. Let me read you from the New York Post. In other words, short headline, Elon Musk may not, in fact, buy Twitter. Elon Musk sent Twitter stock on a roller coaster ride Friday as he claimed that his $44 billion deal to take over the site was temporarily on hold. Now, he did insist later that he was still committed to buying it. Still committed to buying it isn't mm, language I love. It's not language I, I'm still committed to buying. Well, I can be committed to a lot of things. I can be committed to a lot of things. It doesn't mean I'm going to go through with them. There is a sanction against him if he doesn't go through with this. He has to cough up a billion-dollar penalty, which is a hell of a penalty, Brownie, isn't it? But it's less than $44 billion. So I don't know. I don't know uh, if, again, as we often like to say here, the jumping for joy in the celebration might have been too early. I've also, and I'll reiterate it, I'll reiterate it, saying that as we are going into campaign season, I still want you to hold candidates' feet to the fire on reforms to social media, whether it has to do with the Communication communication Decency Act Section 230 or whether it has to do with some other kind of thing with social media. John, uh, at the state legislature, John Hinderocker in Minnesota proposed draft legislation and language for min- that the state of Minnesota is, is taking up. We'll see if that goes through. Other states can avail themselves of it. It doesn't require federal action on 230. The states can handle this. I want candidates to still talk about what they are going to do with social media because, as you can see, social media is still a problem. Even as the White House says disinformation is a problem when they seem to be the peddlers of it. I mean, that is just such a bald faced lie right out front in a first sentence from the White House when they are trying to justify the need and reason for a disinformation governing board. We'll um, we'll talk to uh, George Kaloff at the top of the second hour about a few campaign things, which I'm going to get to in a moment. But first, uh, on this disinformation governing board. One of the things that has shocked me from its inception, what, about two, three weeks ago now, is the brazenness with which the administration even went about naming it. Would you even publicize that you were doing something like this? It's odd to me that they would publicize it. It's odd to me that they would name it a disinformation governing board. But don't forget, this was all around the same time that the Atlantic Monthly And folks from CNN were doing disinformation speeches around the country, conferences around the country. Barack Obama weighed in with a disinformation speech at Stanford that was heavily covered. And then we got the disinformation board. It was almost as if, wink, wink, nod, nod, it was almost as if there was a concert or concerted effort to, uh, shall we say, prepare the public for this issue of disinformation. And I understand why they would want to do so. I I understand why they would want to do so. Think about how you can weaponize disinformation against any number, particularly of the hot button, but also cultural issues that the Republicans have seemed to find some pretty good ground, solid ground, solid footing on in running against the Democrats. Cultural issues, cultural issues, education, schooling. What do you hear mostly when we raise objections to critical race theory? What do you hear? You hear from the CNN crowd. You hear from the left, Bill. You know what's coming. You're, sh- you're, you're nodding your head. 
you hear, oh, well, there is no such thing as CRT at the schools. That's only in the law schools. You are spreading disinformation. When we talk about the sexual grooming, is that the phrase we want to use? I'm happy to use it. It seems perfectly appropriate when you look at what we're doing to four-year-olds and five-year-olds, either at the public school level or at the book publishing level. When we talk about indoctrinating children, they do two things. They say it's not happening and they change the wording on it. This is so unbelievably Orwell-esque. I talked about this yesterday in my monologue. When you think about what is, what is the phrase they use? Gender affirming. What would gender affirming mean to you a year ago, Bill? If I went to you, Bill, and said, um, I have this thing I want to talk to you about. It's a, it's a new program called gender affirming. Might, might you think, oh, this might be something to stop the war on boys and the notion of toxic masculinity and we will affirm that boys and males have a reason to be boys and males and they don't have to worry about – gender affirming <laughs> means approving of what your gender is. They use the phrase to encourage changing it. Everything is so unbelievably Orwellian. Uh, Carol Platt Liebau is someone you may hear from time to time. She's on the Salem editorial board and she does uh, occasional commentary during uh, some of our commercial breaks around here. Old friend. And she was doing a statement the other uh, the other day I was listening to and she was talking about how George Orwell got his notion for 1984, his notion of the Ministry of Truth. He got it from Joseph Stalin's term disinformatia which was a phrase that Joseph Stalin created, disinformatia. Now, it sounds a little Russian, but it doesn't sound fully Russian. Uh, going to uh, history.com, uh, 1923, Russian revolutionary and politician Joseph Stalin, who had previously served as the first editor of Pravda, coined the term disinformatia as the name of a KGB black propaganda Department. Stalin gave the department what he thought was a French-sounding name in order to claim the name had Russian – excuse me, had Western origins. How do you like that? Everything about disinformation is based on a lie and disinformation. Anyway, I'm Seth Leaps, and it's Open Lines Friday, 602-508-0960. We will be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Leapson Show, 602-508-0960. We're doing something new and different uh, to commemorate the upcoming Memorial Day. Uh, we're titling it uh, the campaign, We Don't Know Them All, But We Owe Them All. Uh, we're going to commemorate those who paid their uh, last full measure of devotion, the ultimate sacrifice, as we honor the price of freedom that they paid with their lives so that we could live. We're looking for stories from you in the audience about those you know from your family, perhaps friends, that paid the ultimate price. And on the week of May 23rd, each day I will read in stories that you send in, these stories of heroism from you, listeners. While we're honoring and we will honor every story that comes in, we're going to select at random, totally at random, I promise you, one story that will be honored with a flag that has flown, an American flag that has flown over the United States Capitol in Washington, D.C. It was flown specifically for a day to honor 
all veterans. This is all the brainchild of uh, Jim Ryan here, our general manager. This Memorial Day, share a special part of history with us. Share your special story and then listen in on the week of May 23rd and you'll hear your story. Um, 960thepatriot.com is the um, is the way to get information and the way to learn how to put your submission in. Uh, also, as long as I'm mentioning 960thepatriot.com, I got a couple emails um, from uh, some folks that um, wanted uh, wanted me to let them know when I was going to have a certain guest back on. I can't really do that. But I can tell you that if you ever miss any interview you do here, uh, all of them, every interview we do, every show, every every word that's uttered here, I think, for the most part, <laughs> gets put up at 960thepatriot.com. So unless we have a technical glitch, which is very rare, uh, 960thepatriot.com. You can get anything you missed here, and it's all for free. All right, this kind of I didn't see coming, and I have to tell – I'll confess I didn't see it coming, and I'll confess I'm pleasantly surprised, and uh, it, it, it kind of shows you the difference between an adult company and a immature company. The adult company here happens to be Netflix, at least in word. Um, Netflix has been losing uh, a lot of subscribers. It has, to my mind, been a very woke company. It has offered um, big contracts to the Obamas, put them on the board. It has offered contracts and uh, series, series plural, series plural, uh, to Ibram X. Kendi. And uh, if you look at its fare, if you just turn it on, if you have a Netflix account and you turn it on, it looks like some really very liberal left-wing stuff that they're putting up there. Not exclusively, but very. And so it was a shock to the employees when they put up Dave Chappelle's uh, comedy uh, special, what was it, Bill, last October, I think. And the employees went nuts about this. Uh, they went uh, like Disney, so to speak. And um, ha- they have been uh, facing a lot of internal angst over it ever since. The Chappelle video, the Chappelle routine is still there. It uh, evidently, I haven't seen it, it evidently is offensive to people in the uh, transgender community. Um, I, you know, sorry, comedians, uh, for picking a profession that tends to offend people. Uh, but that kind of is what comics tend to do an awful lot verbally. But in that, we live in an age where words are equivalent to violence, and violence is the equivalence of being mostly peaceful, uh, depending on whose ox is being gored. Uh, Netflix employees have have, have been sh- uh, uprising, engaging in various uprisings at the company. A lot of griping, a lot of threats, a lot of Internal protests, indeed external, even protesting their own company and taking time off to do that. Uh, Netflix had enough. I, again, as I say, did not see this coming. The company issued a Netflix culture seeking – it's called Netflix Culture Seeking Excellence memo to the employees. It's uh, available for anyone who wants to see it, Uh, jobs.netflix.com slash culture. And uh, it's fairly long. But I have to tell you, I um, I like this. I like this a lot. Not everyone – I'm going to quote from it. Not everyone will like or agree with everything on our – by the way, before I do this, let's think about how maybe colleges and universities might also adopt this language. If Netflix can do it, which is effectively a woke company, if Netflix can do it, my gosh, why can't universities? They write, not everyone will like or agree with everything on our service. 
While every title is different, we approach them based on the same set of principles. We support the artistic expression of the creators we choose to work with. We program for a diversity of audiences and tastes, and we let viewers decide what's appropriate for them versus having Netflix censor specific artists or voices. Would that be so hard for, to, for, to put in a university handbook? That's not my favorite paragraph. You ready for my favorite one? Have you read it, Bill? This is my favorite. You're going to like this. As employees, we support the principle that Netflix offers a diversity of stories, even if we find some titles counter to our own personal values. Depending on your role, you may need to work on titles you perceive to be harmful. If you'd find it hard to support our content breadth, Netflix may not be the best place for you. I like that. I like that a lot. If you find it hard to support intellectual diversity, a college campus might say, we may not be the best place for you. Of course, they're not going to say that, although in an odd way, I think it's easier for a university to say that than a, than a, than a publicly owned or private, privately owned public corporation. That, yeah, privately owned public corporation, public in that it's available on the stock market, private, and that it's not a government entity like a lot of state schools and universities may be. But that having been said, you know the colleges and universities would get would would it would have a much easier time saying this to their prospective students especially the competitive ones because there is no shortage of people who would love to take the slots of those whining babies who do take those slots and then can't stand the fact that they're going to hear a thought or an idea they may find offensive or have disagreed with or disagreed with what they were brought up with in their little you know purell dipped social bubbles that we have wrapped them with and soaked them in. If Netflix can do it, universities can do it. I am the I am the most conservative about thinking tides are turning. As I said earlier, when everyone thought the tide was turning because Elon Musk was buying Twitter, I was saying yellow light caution. He hasn't done it yet. He has poured a little cold water on it today. And again, I'll say it for the umpteenth time, if your free speech rights depend on some immigrant billionaire coming to this country and doing something about it, your free speech uh, rights don't depend on anything very solid. Nothing as solid as the notion of free speech in the first place. Open society, open debate. I'll go back to the disinformation governing board, which may end up being the greatest threat to it, along with the Department of Justice. Holy smokes, Jim Jordan is taking on Merrick Garland in a way that makes me so proud of that man. So proud of Jim Jordan. The problem with Jim Jordan is it makes you want to say to the rest of the congressmen, what's the matter with the rest of you? I'll tell you what he's up to going after Merrick Garland when we come back. This is what I like. Wartime conservatism, fighting conservatives, taking it, pushing as hard against our opponents as they push against us. Big difference being we think of our opponents as opponents. They think of their opponents as enemies. That's a difference, too. I'm Seth Liebson, 602-508-0960. We'll be right back.
Yeah, I love that balance of nature, too. I take it every single day. Uh, I've been hitting some personal records on my workouts. I think it's all attributable to balance of nature. Uh, I really do, as is my uh, my health and my energy and, of course, my boosted Im- immunity. It's the um, it's You get 10 servings of fruits and veggies in one single daily dose, and it is 100% natural. There is no caffeine in it. There is no anything added to it other than pure potent plant power it is a fantastic product my i i think in my whole entire life it's my my favorite product i've ever taken internally as a supplement it really is balanceofnature.com is the website for their fruits and veggies make sure to use discount code balance Okay, if you want to give us a call, we are at 602 this open line Friday. Uh, I was talking about Jim Jordan and how I wish the rest of the Republican Party would um, would find out what it is he's taken and take some of that. Before I get to what he did with Merrick Garland uh, this week, uh, let me first say a quick word about uh, the January 6th uh, committee. Uh, we're, we're getting dribs and drabs, stories here and there about their subpoenaing, their issuing subpoenas, that's a better way to put it, issuing subpoenas to a variety of uh, congressmen, many of whom are uh, some of the show's favorites. And some of these congressmen uh, are just saying, um, take a hike, jump in the lake, we're not answering. Uh, good. I support that. This is indeed a fake committee. How do I and why do I say it? it's not because January 6th had a fake incident? It's because it is not a bipartisan investigative committee, which is meant only uh, to police. Uh, so it, it means, in other words, it's only going to police a very partisan, narrow area. People will say, well, yeah, but wait a minute. No, it is bipartisan. You've got a couple Republicans on there, Lynn Cheney and uh, who is the other one? Uh, no, no, no. <laughs> Kevin McCarthy is the Republican leader in the House, and he was not allowed. In fact, no one in the Republican Party, much less the Republican Party leadership, no one was allowed to tell Nancy Pelosi who shall be the Republican representatives on the January 6th committee. Kevin McCarthy wanted to. They were willing to participate. They were willing to name committee members to the January 6th investigative committee. But the Speaker of the House, Nancy Pelosi, would not let them. She said, we, this is my committee. I will decide who will be on this committee. That's not a bipartisan committee. You can't have a bipartisan committee when you're telling the Republicans they can't pick their members for the committee. It would would be like me telling the Democrats who they have to nominate for any office or position. That's what Nancy Pelosi did with this committee. It is a faux. It is a fake committee. It is a hoax of a serious investigation. But it goes into all of this stuff having to do with disinformation, which I will return to in a moment, I promise. First, so what did Jim Jordan do? Well, you may recall this little thing that came out of the Department of Justice, uh, this little memo that Merrick Garland authored telling um, telling local law enforcement agencies that they would be working, they could be working with the FBI. The FBI would like to work with them on monitoring people showing up at school board meetings. You may remember that. You, remember, you may remember this chill if you will, on speech by threatening parents 
um, who showed up at school board meetings, as they've done in Virginia, as we're doing here, quite frankly, as is taking place throughout the country, because those school board meetings became uncomfortable for the woke left, for the progressives. Those school board meetings, um, I guess parents didn't get the message from Terry McAuliffe that they have no right to have a say in what curriculum is going to be taught at their schools, uh, which is at a very minimum a power grab and at a maximum an entire misunderstanding of how we operate schools in every state and commonwealth in this country where the curriculum is in fact decided by school board members who in fact are answerable to the public because they are in fact elected by the public. They are elected representatives. It's just that Republicans haven't run for a lot of those offices in a lot of years. But boy, they showed up. Because they were open meetings and they voiced their opinions and that was too much for the attorney general. So he decided to sick law enforcement on these uppity Republicans or uppity conservatives or for that matter, independents and Democrats who thought they should have the right to have a say about critical race theory, about school shutdowns under covid mandates and about gender reassignment lesson plans. So Jim Jordan uh, was asking Merrick Garland about that. Merrick Garland denied that any of this was happening. Jim Jordan got the receipts, and he's doing something about it. It's worth two segments. I'll tell you what he's doing when we come back. 602-508-0960. Be right back. One of the great pleasures of this job, unexpected pleasures, is not only do you get to meet new people, you get to hear about new and interesting companies and a lot of these interesting people who start these companies and, and uh, want, you to, want you to promote them and advertise them. You, you do your due diligence with them and you learn about, about, uh, about what they're doing and uh, you just meet some really great people. That was my case in, in learning about why refi. And uh, I just love the people there. They are great, and I love what they're doing. I didn't even know that this kind of thing existed. Uh, So if you are looking for a really unique investment opportunity with a great return, I want you to check out my friends at Y-Refi. Yes, they have become my friends. They are offering a fixed no-load interest rate up to 10.25% for investors, all in a secure and collateralized portfolio. What Y-Refi is about is helping people uh, dig out of debt. People who uh, are doing their best to dig out of debt, doing it the right way, paying in, paying off their debts, doing it with dignity, getting their FICO scores and their lives fixed and on the road again. Why Refi is a due diligence approved firm run by really good people who are doing very well by helping others, and you can too. They're locally based. You can visit them. You won't get a sales pitch. They're just happy to do what they did with me, which was just tell me about what they do. They're de- they delight in it, and I love people that delight in what they do, especially when it is successful. Check them out at investyrefi.com. That's invest, the letter Y, then R-E-F-Y.com, or give them a call at 855-316-3087. Lance is in Phoenix. Lance, thank you for your patience. How are you, sir? I'm doing well. How are you? Good. Thanks for calling in. Good. Hey, hey, just had a question, you know, kind of just with this whole Ukraine uh, these, uh, as you had mentioned, Jim Jordan questioning yeah. Marilyn Garland about you know potentially lying under oath yes. about the various things you were mentioning. It just brought me my mind back to you know when when President Trump uh, was impeached over Ukraine by him quote interfering with Ukrainian yeah. prosecution right. under Biden. Right. 
uh, when, hopefully, the Republicans take the House, my question is, is there a statute of limitation concerning impeachment? No. Or can the Republican House of Representatives impeach Joe Biden? There is no statute of limitations on it. There is none. My question about it, though, is what would be the... Well, I have two questions. What would be the impeachable offense? My guess is if there were one, it would it would probably involve Hunter Biden, because I think there's a big hot mess there about which we're going to learn a lot if the Republicans do take back the House, hopefully the Senate as well. But my question is this, Lance, do you think it's a good idea for Republicans to run on that, talk about it or even do it? Do you think it's a good idea? I'm not so sure it is. I'm not so sure it is. I'll tell you why. You go first. Politically, probably not. But just for fun, just to be cynical, just to get back at Nancy Pelosi. You remember she's like, listen here, Donald Trump, he he is the most impeached president in the world. Uh, So then they can impeach Joe Biden. You you could earn a living doing that. That's for, do you do others? Yeah, that's pretty well, good. We had talked about my Bernie Sanders years ago. Yes, that's um, right. <laughs> when he was in town. Uh, right. But but my point is, they can impeach. There was no impeachable offense for Trump either time. So no. what does that matter? Right. So impeach Biden three times, and then he holds the record for being the most impeached president, <laughs> the most time. impeached president in history. Yeah, if you recall that, I do. Sin- so that's cynical. That's cynical me. Well, that's now, okay to be cynical. I'll tell you what would fire. Uh, um, I think a bigger missile across the bow. Um, and it would be Section 4 of the 25th Amendment. Section 4 of the 25th Amendment, which is the removal of the president for incapacity. Now, mm-hmm. it's not really been done before. But then again, I don't think Isn't whatever was done to Donald Trump was done before. Right. It is there for a reason. Yeah. It requires a few keys to match a few locks, though. You obviously would have to have the majority of the House. You would also need the majority of the Senate because it requires, if you're going to go around the cabinet, which is where most people contemplate the 25th Amendment would, would kick in. Most people contemplate that it's when the vice president or the cabinet officers you know, decide that the president is incapacitated. There is a mechanism, if you read it, there is a mechanism for it for you to go around the cabinet and the vice president. Uh, It just requires the House to pass a law that the president of the Senate uh, certifies. So you would need the Senate on your side. But then I give you a bigger question. What are we left with? You're going to have to learn to do another imitable, imitable voice or laugh, cackle. I don't practice the Joker on a public <laughs> right. Public yeah, yeah. What but, is uh, it? I would. I, yeah. I go think ahead. That's the best thing that could ever. That's the best thing that could ever happen to Republicans. She is so just. If Trump is, you know, and I'm sorry, Biden, at least on his face, is a generally likable person until you listen to him. Kamala, uh, or Kamala, you know, whatever it is. Uh, Kamala. He's just like dislikable across the board. So that could be the greatest win if she ever became president that would be the best thing to ever happen to the republicans it would it would be good for the republicans it would be bad for the country 
Um, and and the Republicans would be, you know, the residual beneficiaries partisan wise. And then assuming they could run with it and win on it, it would then again be good for the country. But I happen to think and I could be wrong. I mean, there's no way to know this for sure. But I happen to think having Joe Biden where he is, though it is a bad joke, though it is an embarrassment, though it is um Though it is, I think, actually a scandal that might require the impeachment of other people who may have been covering this up, though I think all of that is true, I'd rather him be president than Kamala Harris because I think the voices that whisper into uh, Joe Biden's ear the way he whispers uh, to the audiences at every speech, I think the voices that he listens to are a little bit more stable than the voices Kamala Harris listens to. I just happen to think that. I could be wrong. I could be wrong. And can I bring up one more sub-point? Anything you want. Um, So talking about the FBI, you know, the FBI has just completely become a political tool. You know, when they kept finding how how many laptops has Hunter Biden lost that the FBI and the Secret Service have gone and picked up or that handgun that he was not allowed to have, right. he lost, and they went and picked it up. Um, at this point, the FBI has become such a political organization. Sure at has. what point do we either need to dissolve the FBI or completely defund it? Or, you know, what is our option when it's basically a secret police I think for only yeah, one political party? You know, we've had this problem before, uh, and we've had it with the CIA these are both very hardened institutions to reform. Well, let me let me let me talk about reforming them when we come back. I I, I will do so when we come back. Six zero two five zero eight zero nine six zero. Totally legitimate question, Lance. I'm glad you raised it. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Leibson Show. Um. Yeah, with the economic news coming out uh, the way it has, first uh, we had 8.5% inflation at the consumer price level. Uh, it looks like, uh, by all predictions, it's going to get much worse. The latest report isn't at any level of comfort for anyone. Wholesale inflation was uh, 11.5%, even more ominous. And uh, as you can see from the prices you're paying at the grocery store, if you can find the products that you want, we've got severe inflation problems, including gas, which is why I recommend diversifying with physical gold from the Midas Gold Group. That's what I use. That's what Seb Gorka use. A lot of you already use them as well. Veteran-owned Midas Gold Group. By the way, you can get their latest inflation projections and ask them for their free guide to owning physical gold in your IRA. Uh, I've met with these guys. I love these guys. Midas Gold Group. MidasGoldGroup.com. Give them a call at 480-360-3000. I own gold and silver from them. You can too. Lance was asking how you clean up the FBI, or do you get rid of it? It's very hard to get rid of uh, to get rid of a government organization so historied like that. I can't even recall off the top of my head of a government agency that we ever dismantled or disbanded. Think about how long we've been working on the Department of Education. My goodness, even after the Republican uh, Gingrich Congress, which uh, which uh, which which promised they would do their level best to do that, couldn't be done. What you need is a strong man or strong woman to overhaul it. We thought we had that with Donald Trump as the president. And it turned out, it turned out, you know, you need more than just the president. 
And some of these institutions are very self-entitled. We had it with the CIA. We did reform the CIA in the 1970s. We just reformed it in the wrong direction. Stansfield, Turner, and Jimmy Carter reformed it in the wrong direction after the Frank Church hearings on the CIA. And it's been hard to get it to recover to do what it is supposed to do, give us intelligence and perhaps engage in covert operations abroad. It does it a little bit, never as sufficiently as it did it before the Stansfield-Turner and uh, Jimmy Carter reforms. So it has been reformed. The CIA has been in the other direction. The FBI has become, though, Lance, you're right, a political outpost. And that's a dangerous thing for law enforcement. It's perhaps one of the most dangerous things in law enforcement. We went through this. The the left has done this for years. Uh, Growing up, we learned about something called the Palmer Raids. Most people probably thought that that was a Republican right-wing thing going after leftists. It wasn't. It was a left-wing thing, the Palmer Raids. Um, I, um, I think you need to get a good candidate, a good person in that job to reform it and clean house. That's what I think. That's what I think. Someone has got to be able to put their hand on a lever and make some changes on what has become a very politicized government. Politics should be politicized. Governing should not. There should be a difference between politics and elections and governance. There really should. Otherwise, you're not governing. You're just extending the campaign through the tenure of what you were elected to do. Talk about making offices political. I'm Seth Liebson. We'll be right back. If you're on hold, feel free to stay or give us a call back in about 20 minutes. I'm Seth Liebson. We'll be right back. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never before seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.